This, this is the Our Auto Expert Podcast. Find us on air, online, on mobile, and on your smart speaker. Please subscribe at ourautoexpert.com. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Now, here's the host of Our Auto Expert. Our Auto Expert. Nick Miles. Locally created, nationally celebrated from the northwest to the southeast, this is America's Car Radio Show. If it has a throttle, we'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I'm your host, Nick Miles, normally along with Truck Girl Jen, but she's not here today because Truck Girl's truck broke down. And Truck Girl is stuck about an hour away from the studio. Uh, so Truck Girl Jen today is uh, is replaced by the wonderful Jeff Zershmead, who is joining us for the show. Um, good, good morning, Nick. Yeah, good to have you today. Glad to be here. You just got back from the Alcan rally, uh, and I don't see... You brought us Tim Hortons from Canada, by the way. Thank you for that. Happy uh, to do so. You don't look like you have frostbite anywhere. I, I don't have frostbite, but uh, let me tell you, 40 below is a whole different world. It sounds cold enough to me not want to go. I will never, ever, ever call a Portland winter cold ever again. <laughs> uh, this, is, this place is a tropical paradise compared to where we were. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Alcan Rally coming up in today's show. We're also going to talk to uh, James Bell from Kia about the Cadenza. The Geneva Auto Show was cancelled, which means that Kia did not get to announce anything at the show. So this is the platform for them to talk about that. We're going to talk to Jeff from uh, Bentley about the new Flying Spur, uh, which Jen is most upset that she missed uh, talking about. We're going to have uh, Travis Parman, the Vice President of Communications for North America from the Nissan automotive group to talk about the trouble with daylight savings time and you will be surprised at some of the things that people do in daylight savings time that they shouldn't be doing uh, we're going to talk a little ford super duty with tom somerville from ford and anton warman's going to be here to talk about what's happening with electric cars with china with the coronavirus and much more let's talk about the coronavirus for a second that still dominates the news and things change rapidly every day. I should preface this conversation with the fact, Jeff, that we don't really know much about it. It's evolving every day. There's multiple strains that have been identified. People are dying. Uh, car industry, the car industry, is struggling. America actually uses over $11 billion worth of parts that come out of China, by far the single most Chinese part user in automobile manufacturer. Um, they are shutting factories down in Japan, in China, and they could be limiting, limiting production in North America because of parts. That is just part of the story. But what I want to talk to today about is the fact that how can you protect yourself in two ways from the coronavirus if you are either taking Uber or Lyft, and also right. if you're shopping for a car because you want to make sure that you're not doing stuff that could expose you to the virus. So we know from the latest tests, and again, what we know today could be completely wrong tomorrow because this is evolving so fast. We know that the coronavirus can exist on a car door handle between two hours and nine days. That's a long time. So if you're opening and closing doors on a car, either by taking Uber or Lyft or test driving it, 
you have to make sure that you probably have some wet ones wipes with you or some kind of antibacterial wipe with you and wipe down that surface. Not just for you, but for the person that comes after you as well. Uh, then I always tell people, sit if you're going to take an Uber or Lyft, if you have the choice, sit behind the driver. Because when you sit behind the driver, when somebody speaks, moisture comes out of their mouth and that moisture could potentially contain the coronavirus. So sit behind the driver. Uh, so then if he speaks, you're not sort of getting everything is spittle on you to, to put it in a <laughs> uncomfortable yes. form. Love that image. Um, when you get into the car, wipe the door handles down, wipe the uh, door handle on the inside and the outside. And also don't forget to wipe the window uh, winder down or the switch, depending on mm -hmm. how old the car is. And that goes the same for buying a car as well. Um, we, you know, the hardest thing about this is we're knowing that masks don't help you. So mm -hmm. taking public transport with the mask on doesn't necessarily help you. What really helps you is washing your hands and not touching your face yeah. because it seems like the virus enters through the eyes or the mouth. Well, that's the best thing about the mask is, is that it will stop you touching your mouth. Or glasses. I'm, yeah. I'm a glasses wearer, which is great. So mm -hmm. maybe just wear your sunglasses out if you're outside. Just give yourself a little extra protection there on the eye. Right. Uh, don't rub your face. It's so hard for me. Uh, I noticed by taking a flight the other day on Alaska Airlines that they have changed their service quite rapidly. Uh, that means that they are no longer serving the hot towels that mm -hmm. they give you if you get upgraded uh, to first class. They're wearing gloves when they do cabin service, mm -hmm. and they're not touching the garbage. They're asking you to put it in, in wherever in the, you put in it. The bin, yeah. yeah, and they're asking also in the announcement, they explain what they're doing, but they ask you not to touch the cabin crew, which I'm not in favor of doing anyway. But Well, you know, I stopped to fuel up uh, on the way home last night. We, we, uh, we stopped, and, uh, and I just suddenly was hyper aware that, like, here I am, I'm touching the handle of, right. the, of the, the gas can because we were gassing up in Washington, so there was self-serve. Um, and then I went in to pay for it, and, I, and the, the uh, cashier handed me the cash, and I'm thinking, who handled this cash before me? Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, and I bought a jug of Gatorade, and, uh, you know, I'm looking at that going, who handled that? So, you know, as you start to become aware of this stuff, you can really become a germaphobe. I, 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 I want to be a germaphobe. I don't want to be catching coronavirus. The, uh, the, the, you bring up two very good points. Uh, money, moneyless transactions or cashless transactions are probably better for you. Mm -hmm. You were saying that you don't use a digital phone paying app, but you're thinking about doing I'm that. I'm going to start this afternoon. Right. And also, I'm thinking about uh, when, when you get gas pumps. That's a great thing. Yeah. Wipe the gas pump down with a, with a, with a wet one or with an antibacterial wipe. When right. you have the chance, uh, just because you could help kill the disease and not pass on, and, and you could be protecting the next person that comes in after Absolutely. you as well. That's the that's the point of all this. If it, you're young and healthy like us, you uh, you don't necessarily have to worry so much about dying yourself, but could be could be life and death for somebody else. I think that um, car buying and everything buying is going to go digital. I'm buying everything online. And yeah. and just because I don't want to necessarily go into the store, but you can also buy your you can do everything you can finance, insure, and buy your car online. All you have to do is test drive it to make sure that you got a good deal. And so that's something that uh, that I know everyone's going to be going to like Auto Navigator from Capital One, right? And financing their car and buying it because you don't. All you have to do is basically print a piece of paper. Right? You spend less time at a dealership. If you do ride share of any kind, if you do a car share of any kind, or you have a carpool too, make sure you do the same thing and wipe that key fob down as well. Oh, if you, the key <coughs> fob. Yeah, that's yeah. right. If you're going to do one of the new uh, sort of 
rental services or anything like that, wipe the key mm -hmm. fob down. Uh, Page One, who is one of the companies that does the uh, car loaning to auto journalists, uh, they have a new protocol in place where you have to use your own pen to sign the paperwork. Yeah. And, and not uh, shake hands with and, the guy who yeah. delivered your car. Fist bumps everywhere. Our auto yeah. expert, more to come. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Catch up with the previous episodes of the show at our website, ourautoexpert.com. You can hear all of our shows, see our automotive videos, and read inside of car stories about our next ride, your next ride. We'll find them all at ourautoexpert.com. Nick Miles with you this morning, uh, today, and Jeff Zerschmied is in the studio. He is the new incarnation of Truck Girl Jen, because... Her trucks broke down. I just got a text from an automaker saying Jen can get a discount on a new truck uh, or a new uh, <laughs> car. They'll, they'll be more than happy to work with her on that. Um, so the uh, Geneva Auto Show was suspended for this year because of the coronavirus. And was it a good decision? Was it a bad decision? Everyone's going to have their own opinion. Uh, one of the, uh, the car companies... Uh, many of the car companies that weren't there are now releasing their cars online and digitally. Um, but one that was released at the Chicago Auto Show, which is always a delight, um, is was the very nice Kia Cadenza. It debuted at the Chicago Auto Show. And to talk about it and give us all the inside uh, dirty dirty on it is my friend James Bell, who's on the phone. Uh, Mr. Bell, first of all... Uh, did you uh, have anything that was going to be released digitally that wasn't at Geneva, or did you have nothing on the slate for Geneva this year? Oh, my goodness. I was uh, about 36 hours from boarding my flight to Geneva. Um, mm. It's kind of, I mean, obviously it's an interesting show, uh, and, and it's, it was a disappointment. Uh, but, you know, who knows? as you said at the start here, we don't know what's the right side of caution to be on at this moment. Right. But, um uh, yes, we did have uh, some big news to introduce, and, and we're actually still in the process of, of coming up with the, the best way to do it. Um, so uh, news that would, would have come from Geneva is on hold for the moment, but uh, we'll be uh, doing it very soon in coordination with my friends over at uh, Kia Motors Europe. All right. That sounds like fun. Um, we I was supposed to be going to Germany on Sunday, and that never happened because uh, all yes. flights to Europe are canceled. So, And I know a few other automotive events. We got our fingers crossed about New York, but we want to make sure people stay safe first and foremost before we worry about our livings and how we make them. Uh, that's the yes. important thing with this. And unfortunately, it seems to be affecting only certain kinds of people in the societies i hear much much more men are affected than women and those with three or more existing health problems so be careful anybody that's car shopping or taking ubers or lifts or those sort of things make sure you wipe all those surfaces down let's turn to this uh, cadenza so chicago auto show was the premier significant exterior and interior design enhancements for 2020 james yeah, well, you know, the Cadenza is kind of a, um, it's, it's an interesting little vehicle. Well, not little, uh, good size um, luxury sedan in our in our lineup. Uh, the organization, you know, Kia in general, doesn't really market it or push it very hard. But once people discover it, they absolutely love it. And and so I, a lot of the journalists will say to me, you guys, you can still have a Cadenza? Well, I could hook you up with people out there who, like I say, just cherish it know what a uh, what a what a find it is and what a luxury bargain it is and so for 2020 you're right at the chicago show we introduced some minor updates to it uh, nothing on the powertrain side other than uh some new kind of um uh ride enhancing uh suspension updates you know we got this guy albert bierman our team oh yeah even on the luxuries 
even on the luxury stuff, he leans in and, and makes some tweaks here and there. Um, it really worked on the sound deadening. In fact, the vehicle now has, in the uh, top trim level, these resonators that reside inside the uh, rim of the wheel uh, that actually help uh, mitigate some of the road noise that comes off. So we're really trying to create a, uh, a smooth, quiet place to, to cruise. Uh, and then made some updates also to, you know, the typical headlights, taillights, uh, just kind of brought them into a new modern shape. Uh, but it's really on the interior. That's where we went a little bit crazy and, and uh, really upgraded a lot of the materials and the screens and the uh, infotainment system. And it's, it's, uh, it is it is as close to near luxury, if not crossing into luxury, as you can possibly do in the current U.S. market, in my humble opinion. What's the, So let's talk about a couple of things to sort of set the parameters of this. Uh, and I've yeah. always said Cadenza is an amazing value for money because Kia yeah. also give you a lot more than you even... I love the one of the things about Kia that's great, apart from the fact that you, you have my favorite car uh, of the time, of SUV at the time right now, it's a Telluride, but you pack your vehicles with not only value, but technology. And that means that what you would pay, let's say, $1,500 for in a package upgrade is very much a standard feature on a lot of Kias. You don't package everybody up by an extra $30,000 like some manufacturers. But this vehicle, what are we talking about price? Where are we starting and where are we going if we check every box? Um, if you check in every box, you're still, I think, just kind of cresting up around 40. Um, oh. So it uh, might, might even get into 42 if you really go crazy, which uh, is not a lot of money when you think about um, you know that there's uh, Ford Fusions you can buy for that much money, so right. uh, we think we think it's a, a pretty good value. Um, you know we have a philosophy at Kia which is give it everything, and I think the Cadenza is a, is a really great example of that. And and I'll let you in on a little dirty a dirty little secret of the car business. Uh, Kia for the last five years has won the JD Power Initial Quality Award. Um, uh, you know for our entire lineup, and then some certain vehicles that are called out. We're really doing uh, exceptionally well against their other vehicles in their segments. And uh, uh, when you dig deep into that JD Power, uh, especially the IQS data sets, what you find is that p- people buy a vehicle because they like the technology on board, but then they will uh, malign it and uh, give it bad marks if they're not able to use it well. Uh, you right. know, if it's just too complicated. Right. And that's one of the places that, uh, again, it's a dirty little secret. Secret Kia does exceptionally well in that study. Because we, as you said at the start here, we load the vehicle up with the very latest in, in, in you know, state-of-the-art uh, safety and um, comfort and and uh, you know entertainment features and so forth. But then, darn it, we make it easy to use. Now right. that shouldn't be a strange thing, but unfortunately, for many uh, luxury vehicles, it is. And that's why uh, Kia, I think, is you know, as I say, when you dig into the data, you see that we do exceptionally well in that um, overloading the vehicle. Uh, beyond what you pay for it, and then make it a very uh, easy-to-use experience. I will tell you why that's great, because uh, I have a 76-year-old father who used to be the sharpest tool in the shed. He's not as sharp as he was driving. So the the son that's in the automotive industry says, let's put Dad in something that's highly safe, that is not just safe for him, but safe for other drivers. It gives him good visuals and those type of things. And so I'm sticking him in these luxury cars that have 
packed with safety features are, are have the the best safety features in there and he can't use any of them he doesn't know how to turn it on it doesn't and yet i stick him in something like the sportage and uh, or he's right there he gets it i mean the, the car does 90 percent of the stuff for you you don't have to turn anything on or or log right. in or you know, those sort of things so yes you're <laughs> absolutely right and my 76 year old dad would attest to that first of all uh let's go go quickly back to the cadenza um what's the sort of competition for this vehicle who are the who are the people that it's working um to get over is it avalon buyers from toyota are we talking about nissan mm. maxima buyers are those the sort of people that are getting into the to the cadenza yeah well it's it, it's a strange segment when you think about it because a lot of the competitors are actually uh, vacating um you know it was uh, we just saw a couple weeks ago the last um chevrolet now oh, sorry yeah, Impala, Impala, yeah. Run off the, yeah so that was definitely a competitor uh, the buick lacrosse the maxima the avalon as you mentioned um, you know, it, it's a strange segment. It's not one, as I said at the start here, gets much attention from marketers or, or even from the respective manufacturers. But there's good business that just happens there. It just kind of ticks over. People come in and say, in fact, I just took a call two weeks ago from a gentleman who um, had read about the new Cadenza at the Chicago show. And he was all excited because his current Cadenza lease is about to go, finish up. And so he's going to slot himself into the new one. No questions asked. And so it, it, there is a nice little heartbeat of business there um, that it, it kind of flies underneath the radar. It's not sexy or exciting or off-roading or any of this kind of stuff, but it, it, it's good business. And we feel that Cadenza is a, is a good good player in that space. I actually think it is exciting and sexy, but, you know, therefore I'm probably I'm probably in the minority of that. I do love well, that, the grill. That, you know, that as, explains a lot, Nick. <laughs> as we get older, you know, being comfortable in your car is, is uh, becomes more important to us. And, uh, and, and yeah. I, when I sat in the Cadenza uh, at Chicago, uh, James, I found it uh, super comfortable. All right, James Bell, thank you. Thank you very much. Old people yes, enjoy the Cadenza as well as young people, I'll just tell you. It's obvious for that. If you want to take a look at the Cadenza, you can go to Kia's website there or your local Kia dealer because you can drive away with one for a reasonable price, 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. All right, coming up, more Our Auto Expert. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Our auto expert is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can start a conversation with us, ask car questions, just direct your messages to us on any of the Our Auto Expert channels. The Alcan Rally took place recently, which is a rally that goes in the coldest, most treacherous parts of the United States and Canada. And we wanted to get an expert into the studio to talk about the Alcan Rally. Well, there's somebody that actually did it in the studio who's co-hosting the show with us today, Jeff Zershmead. So, Jeff, give us a premise of what the Alcan Rally actually is. Uh, the Alcan Rally is a is a 5,000-mile adventure rally. Um, it's technically what's called a time-speed distance, where you strive for accuracy in your driving rather than speed. Uh, but the real point of it is to, is to do one of the most extreme motorsports events the world has to offer. Um, we leave from Seattle, and we drive uh, up past the Arctic Circle, to the shore of the Arctic Ocean um, in a village called Tuktoyaktuk, Northwest Territories. Um, and it's, as you might imagine, very difficult. It takes you a week just to drive up there. Um, in North America is so big. It's so much bigger than we think it is. Right. Um, and it, when, when you're up there, uh, we saw temperatures of 40 below. 
zero, um, which uh, is, is <laughs> like I said, I'll never call a Portland winter cold again. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, the rally went on um, and went back down into the Yukon and then over into Alaska and finished in Anchorage last night. I tell my nephews that the only time I felt like I was dying, I felt like my soul was leaving my body, was at the Chicago Auto Show, <laughs> which standing outside waiting for your car to pull up or for your Uber, for your Lyft, for whatever transportation you're taking, you can feel yourself dying. It's that cold. And that's, that's only like 10 degrees above zero. No, I mean, the worst I think it's ever been there for me in Chicago was um, minus 16 with the wind chill factor. So it was yeah. probably around 10 degrees without, but minus 16 with. But you're going to minus 40 when you don't even add the wind chill factor in. Right. Wind chill, when we added in wind chill, it was something like minus 58. And it's, Shut you up. get out of the car. Why? Why would you do this? Because I'd never done it before. Um, <laughs> and, and it really is. It, it, it I've is, never sawn my arm off, but I have no need to do it. Well, this was a great adventure, and I still have both my arms. But, uh, you know, at 30 below or, or less, you know, when you take a breath in, your nose hairs freeze. Oh. That's what you're not prepared for. Oh. Uh, but we had a great time. It was a fantastic adventure. You can see things. There are places you crest a ridge up there in the Arctic, and you can see for 100 miles in every direction. Wow. And it's just spectacularly beautiful. And we saw bison by the side of the road, wild bison, uh, uh, bighorn sheep. We uh, uh, some people on our on our tour saw um, uh, saw uh, wolves and and coyotes and things. But we went. I want to make sure we get into this. We went in a 2020 GMC Sierra AT4, which is the off-road package. Um, with the three-liter Duramax uh, turbo diesel, and and I cannot tell you how well that truck performed. Well, actually, I can tell you, um, <laughs> <laughs> the truck was great. Uh, it fired right up every time, even down at thirty, forty below. Um, we uh, it it uh, you put it on special tires too. We did. We we used Nokian Hakapalita LT3 studded snow tires. Um, the most important thing about that AT4 package, in my opinion, having been up there with it, is the automatic four-wheel drive, which simulates all-wheel drive. Um, and the big deal there is that it maintains your traction and stability controls, where when most trucks, you put them into four-wheel drive, it turns off the stability control. Um, and that is so important when you're up there on a surface that may change from packed snow to, to solid ice to gravel to to loose snow or maybe loose snow on top of ice um, at any moment. And so we, we gave that uh, traction control system a workout and we just left it in automatic all-wheel drive all the time. And I, I'll tell you, um, other trucks that didn't have that um, were having much more problems staying on the road than we did. Um, the uh, uh, the um, the the truck was also comfortable. Uh, we you had, slept in it one night. We we ended up sleeping in it one night. We got to our motel and we'd called ahead, and they said, "Oh yeah, sure, come on in." And we said, "Well, we'll be late." And they said, "No problem." We got there. It was t buttoned up tight, cold, dark, nobody there. Oh, good. And uh, so we ended up sleeping in the truck, which was actually more comfortable than you might expect. You also had to wait for gas stations to open. Yeah, uh, on occasion you have to wait for the fuel stations to open, um, but uh, we had uh, we had just the best tool for the job in that GMC Sierra and the Nokian tires. Can't say enough about them, uh, especially providing traction on hard ice. All right, um, 
It sounds like you had a fun time. Uh, not my kind of fun, but your kind of fun. At least it's an experience you could put down there. I do I do really like the 84. I think they did a great yeah. job in, across their line with the 84s. In fact, um, the uh, Acadia uh, 84 is, is actually one of my most favorite vehicles. That's great. And the rally winners overall were from Portland, Garth Ankeny and Russ Krauschauer. Uh, Garth runs A&T Tire on North Interstate, just uh, right there in Kenton, 8131 North Interstate. And uh, they were our overall winners in a 1973 Capri. All right, more auto expert to come. No freezing ice, though. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reporting and see some of the videos that make all the tech and all of the new car stuff very explainable. You'll find them at ourautoexpert.com. Plus, you can see all of our TV segments from across the country, and you can listen to our new segments, which hit over a thousand radio stations on a day. It's all at Our Auto Expert. I have a secret, Jeff. What is your secret, Nick? I secretly I often ask that. I secretly desire to own a Bentley. Okay. <laughs> that's my secret. Uh, I don't often well, make it's it. it's out now. You know, yeah, there's plenty of them out now. In fact, Bentley have a, a whole bunch of really, very cool models that I'm very impressed by. You know, the Continental GT, the GT Convertible, uh, the Bentayga, the Mulsanne, and, of course, the Flying Spur. So I told Jen, who unfortunately is not with us today, that I really wanted to talk to somebody about Bentley. And Jeff Coleman has stepped up to the plate. He's the Chief Communications and Marketing Officer at Bentley Motors. Uh, Jeff, you have uh, a rich history. I know I was at Pebble Beach this year celebrating the 100th year, um, of, or last year, celebrating the 100th year of Bentley um, down there with some of the most amazing Bentleys out of history. And, uh, and you really sort of have gone into the future with some of your concept models as well. Well, hey, Nate, thank you for having me on today. And, uh, yeah, you, you picked up uh, pretty uh, specifically what we were trying to communicate at Pebble Beach, which, you know, on the uh, heels of our centenary, um, celebrating 100 years of Bentley, um, the concept car in particular, uh, the the GT concept car, uh, really tried to communicate, um, pay homage to the past, but really look forward to where Bentley wants to go. And you're going to start to see, or you're already seeing, especially with the new Flying Spur, uh, treatments and appointments from that car uh, play out into our, our future models. And, it, you know, that car looked out to 2035. Uh, so we've got a long way to go. I don't think I've ever seen doors bigger on a car than I did on that concept <laughs> car. They were, I think, well, I'm only five at four, and I, I feel like they were taller than I was. Yeah, they're, they're massive. There's no doubt about it. Lots of lightweight material in those doors. Right. So let's talk about the Flying Spur. The ultimate luxury sedan is what you call it at Bentley. Uh, ultimate high luxury sedan and um, really great performance. It's contemporary cabin design with traditional handcrafted luxury. And then the comfort and connectivity, uh, they sort of all come together to make Flying Spur the car that works on the move. Is this a car for the businessman amongst us? Is it a car to drive or is it a car to ride in? Yes. And, <laughs> to and all of those questions. <laughs> <laughs> we, we think about it as a four-door Grand Tour. Uh, and so the uh, consummate Grand Tour, of course, is our Continental GT. Uh, this uh, vehicle uh, that we've, we've introduced for 2020 is really a, it's a driving car. Um, 
the addition of four-wheel steering, it's so maneuverable. Uh, you, you know, using the 48-volt system along with the chassis and suspension system, it gives, you know, wonderfully uh, uh, confident ride, uh, whether you're doing uh, slow speed or high speed. I mean, it, it, this is a, a vehicle that looks both ways uh, when it comes to performance and luxury. I know, uh, and I love, obviously, uh, the Bentley brand. When I did my 1,000th video on YouTube, uh, we, choose, we chose it to do it on a Bentley, um, which was absolutely fantastic. The interior of this is also something that everybody can tailor to their own needs, right? That's always been a, a, a function of Bentley. If you, you get it exactly the way you want it, and when it comes to interiors, I really do believe that, that Bentley is uh, there's just no competition to what we can do in a, in a vehicle, what our designers and our engineers do. You know, you just look at, at the fine details. When you grab the back of the door uh, uh, latch and you feel the knurling on the backside, uh, how, many, how many manufacturers will go to that extent uh, to, you know, to look at the details? Um, I, I think, you know, when you get inside, the opportunity to have 15 hides to select from, for your leather, uh, you can do duotone uh, leathers as well. You can do, do, do duotone veneers if you'd like. So um, either a, a straight veneer or uh, uh, another veneer matched with grand black uh, veneer. So it's it, it's really the way you want it, the way you desire it. I know that uh, one Bentley owner did actually have their dog's fur replicated and made a dog bed in the back so the dog wouldn't get hair everywhere. That's the, the sort of craftsmanship, I think, that you can get out of these vehicles as well. The And I often go back to England, um, my birthland, and I've driven some of your competitors, and they're a little bit too wide for the road, but this seems like it would just about fit perfectly on a British road, um, and you could tear around the countryside in it as well. Is it made? for spirited driving it is definitely made for spirited driving so it's rated up to 207 miles an hour Ooh. uh and you know okay so here in the states that just means that getting on the highway is simple um and uh in the other part as i said the four-wheel steer which is the first time that bentley has made that available you know it gives you that confidence uh when you're taking a turn at high speed or if you're just in a tight uh, parking lot you know, you've got you've got that maneuverability. I look at looking at here uh, the stats here. Uh, you have really four engine choices or four choices: the the W twelve, uh, the W twelve, the V eight, the V eight S, and the powerful W twelve S. What sort of horsepower are we talking about? Well, we're we're only talking about the W twelve right now. That's the vehicle that we'll launch with, and the only other uh, variant that we've. Identified in the future is actually the hybrid. Okay. The, uh, all of our models will offer hybrid in the future, um, but the the ones that you've identified, of course, are the ones from our uh, previous, previous generation. Model. Okay. But the the horsepower on the W12 flying spur that we're introducing right now is 626. Is uh, that seems like a, a, a fun drive? It's almost autobahn stuff. You almost have to take it to Germany to uh, let all those horses uh, gallop somewhere as well. Uh, do you when when you guys uh, build these vehicles and design them and and manufacture them? And by the way, I went to the New York Auto Show. I think it was probably about four to six years ago, um, mm -hmm. where you had a party. 
and I went to the party and you had flown over the guys who manufacture the seats out of your factory and they were hand stitching the seats as a display. I was so impressed with that. Watching a gentleman just make a Bentley seat uh, during the party, it was very, very impressive. Are all the vehicles made still up in, uh, in the Liverpool area and they still made by hand? They're all made by hand in our factory and crew. And we've had many um, customers come and uh, spec their cars, do the specification for their car at the factory. We've had people come and actually put a couple stitches in the steering wheel huh. uh, of their own car. So, yes, you'll see that um, that being done on the factory floor at Crew. Um, when you, you presumably you have a sort of a design center where you can come and design your vehicle out, are those uh, are those people coming in and doing some crazy things with their vehicle? I'm, I just think about <laughs> often some of the the sports stars I've seen. So I drove to the New York Auto Show probably I think last year or the year before that, and uh, there was a famous basketball player driving down uh, time by Times Square uh, in a Bentley convertible that I think was bright red, and I'd never seen the red car like. Like this in nature so are people deciding to do very strange things with their vehicles uh very personalized things absolutely and you know almost mythological to to a certain degree i mean we have stories where um a husband and wife came in and the wife had a bottle of nail polish that was her favorite and she wanted it uh she wanted a car that color and we were able to do that um we had a gentleman cut off the tie of his salesperson and say, I want it this color. So, you know, you get these great stories. And, and we're proud of the fact that we can, you know, replicate just about any desire. I, I hope he replaced his salesman's tie, that's all. <laughs> uh, that seems a little bit little bit extreme. Uh, on the interior as well, do, um, are, we, are we talking about, like, superstars designing these cars as well? Because I, I know that famously um, a, a lot of people get their vehicles and they do uh, very bright colors um, on the interior. Are you getting a lot of those sort of um, soccer players, football players, we'd say in England, um, and a lot of the pop stars who are coming and designing their, their flying spur with... Uh, very loud uh, livery? I, I think, you know, you look at it in a lot of the people that do the customization, uh, the bespoke uh, order, are, are normal customers, people who are entrepreneurs, who um, um, they might be uh, recognizing a spouse's birthday, they might be recognizing their promotion, they, they might be just going and fulfilling a desire that they have always had to have a Continental or a Flying Spur, or, or and now you can have a Bentayga SUV. But um, you know, we we get we certainly have sports stars and celebrities that own our vehicles. Uh, sometimes they're the more spontaneous customers. They want it now. Oh, and so they so, want they want to drive away something that's on the lot. Uh, yes, they want to get what they can get today. And I get so we, you know, a lot of our customers who who partake of the bespoke program are, are you know, the, the man and woman next door. Um, you know, I like that, too, because I'm always worried if I'm going to buy a car, you know, over $150,000, I'd be scared about parking it and, uh, and, and scratching it up. And I think if you make it very bright and obvious, you know, you make yourself a bit, a bit of a target as well. Um, what are we talking about as far as some of the, um, the technology in the vehicle? Because Bentley's always been a technology leader. So what sort of things are you doing in the new Flying Spur with technology? Um, as I said, the, the four-wheel drive, or I'm sorry, the four-wheel steering, which is a Bentley first uh, for us, 
uh, was a new introduction. It, we also uh, have brought in the 48-volt uh, system for the chassis uh, and the suspension, which we saw uh, first in the Bentega SUV. Um, certainly, uh, as you get into... Um, uh, in Europe, uh, not available here, unfortunately, because uh, the uh, F, the uh, highway safety system doesn't uh, doesn't allow it. But you know, you have these uh, unique headlights where they can basically uh, cut out a hole in the light pattern to oncoming traffic, right. but keep bright lights on around it. Um, it's a unique feature that we hope we can bring to the to the U.S. soon on on all of our cars, um, and. Uh, uh, you know, uh, connectivity is full in the car. Um, uh, we love the um, the uh, the screen uh, in the infotainment system, which is a Bentley rotating display. Um, that has you know is really uh, as much a conversations piece as it is uh, a beautiful representation of um, of the HVAC system, the radio system, etc. And then, of course, within with this car for the uh, occupants, there are three stereo systems that are available all the way up to the name for Bentley, which is a 220-watt system, 18 speakers. Why have one when you can have three? That's what I like to hear. <laughs> the, uh, the, I, I'm always enjoy the technology. In fact, um, you had a great CD, and the, the one I did for my thousandth video was which is like a movie songs and uh, uh, movie tunes, and you, there was a soundtrack from the movie Tobruk in there, which uh, I played all the cannons firing at a large volume with a top down of, of my thousandth video, which was great driving up through the hills outside San Diego. Uh, Jeff, listen, I, I think it's a beautiful piece of machinery. I can't wait for the opportunity to drive one. And hopefully um, when I get home, I will be able to uh, come up to crew sometime and uh, visit the good men and women of Bentley who put these cars together. Well, Nick, you're always welcome, and you know, please let us know if you're going to be uh, that way. We'd love to, to host you at the plant, and hopefully, we can get a car down to you very soon. Uh, they're they're uh, now arriving in the states. Uh, our first deliveries will be this month. Excellent, Jeff. Thanks very much. We've got more our auto expert on the way. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert podcast. Locally created, now she's celebrated from the north, west to the south. East, this is America's Car Radio Show. It has a throttle. We'll feature it on air, online, on mobile, or on smart speaker. This is our auto expert. I am your host, Nick Miles, along with Jeff Zershmi today, who's sitting in for Truck Girl Jen, whose truck has broken down, um, and she should buy a new one, but she's arguing with me, and she's sitting at home now, very angry that she's not here. So what should she do? Buy a new truck, right? I I would suggest the GMC Sierra AT4. I'd no, I'd suggest the Nissan Titan. Nissan Titan's <laughs> a great truck. I have one. I have we have our charity has one. Uh, joining us on the phone to talk about daylight savings time as we approach daylight savings time and uh, spring forward. Nissan wants to remind drivers in the U.S. that the biannual shift of time can affect everybody's commute, sleep patterns, and productivity. Uh, I hate when the clocks change because, first of all, I have to manually still change things like my microwave and my stove, and that, I can't imagine that why we don't have them automatic these days. But I have to manage to change them, and I'm always late to something or early to something, depending on what time of year. But um, it sounds like Americans uh, suffer greatly from time change. I love it. I love, the, I love the time change because, as, as, uh, as the Nissan uh, uh, missive suggests, um, you know, you can suffer uh, 
you know, you can be late to things, you can sleep in, you can do, I mean, it's all the stuff I was going to do anyway. <laughs> you just don't care, do you, Jeff? Uh, Travis Barman, the Vice President of Communications for North America and International Communications, joining us on the phone, is, uh, first of all, uh, you are at a uh, an event right now helping some people who are victims of, uh, of hurricanes or, or getting ready to help people. Is that right? Yes, sir. We are packing American Red Cross boxes with non-perishable food for folks uh, who need food for the next couple of weeks who were affected by the tornadoes that came through Tennessee earlier this week. Very good of you. I think that's awesome. And of course, your headquarters uh, located just outside Nashville in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, so it's something that affected your community. All of your uh, Nissan employees safe from, from the tornadoes? Yes. Fortunately, we are not aware of any injuries and we had no fatalities with any of our Nissan family. I think we did have uh, a few residences damaged, and we've had people without power for uh, the past week. But all in all, we got pretty lucky there. I, I would take no power on uh, on lives being saved any day of the week. So let's turn to uh, daylight savings time. Uh, it, it sounds like this can be treacherous for many people who uh, just get thrown off by the hour time change. Yeah, absolutely. There is good reason to hate it for all those who hate it except for Jeff. <laughs> so I've got to give a shout out to my buddy Mike Suter, who's the Nissan VP for After Sales, which means he's in charge of repair parts, among many other things. So he comes into a meeting last week and he says, hey, you want to you guess what our highest collision day is? I mean, what, what would you have guessed before that? Highest collision day for traffic accidents. I know, New, New Year's, Year's Day, uh, yeah. New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. I would have thought Thanksgiving or at the end of the year holidays yeah. when you know the weather gets a little bad, something like that when everybody's on the road. But no, it's daylight savings uh, time when you when you go into spring forward. So we started researching a little bit more because we thought, hey, we, we really should warn people about that. So there's a University of Colorado study that came out that says fatal crashes go up six percent the week following and it's it's not a good week in general they see an increase in heart attacks and strokes in workplace injuries wow. they all spike so we're, so we thought we should go out with some good old-fashioned bad advice about this to say be careful when you get in the car monday all week long uh because you are at higher risk um and a lot of that is related to drowsy driving I think, and I've, I've maintained this for years, that it's actually often better to change a car than to hang on to a car because we have advanced so far in the last 10 years in automotive that uh, a lot of these cars are not only safer uh, after an accident, but safer in preventing accidents as well because of a lot of the technology that's in, in them. And there's no point in driving around something that doesn't have forward collision mitigation or, uh, or 360 cameras. And that's really been a philosophy over at Nissan, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We've got something that we call Safety Shield 360, which is a whole suite of safety technologies uh, that comes standard on many of our vehicles. We also have something that's specific to drowsy driving, which is an issue into itself. AAA estimates that there are about 10% of all accidents are related to sleepy drivers. So on Nissan vehicles, on many of them, they have what we call intelligent driver alertness. So, and on 2020, that's standard in Altima, Maxima, Murano, Sentra, and Titan. And what it does is it monitors your steering wheel input. 
So it, it starts to learn what your normal input is each time you start driving. And if you start to deviate from that, it uh, can sense whether it thinks you're driving erratically and that that may be related to you being drowsy. And it pops up a little alert. You get a little coffee uh, mug emoji that goes on your dashboard and a little message that says, is it time to take a break um, to, to let you know, hey, you're, you're swerving a little bit. You're not driving the way you normally do. Uh, you, you might want to reconsider this, this path and, and take a break, take a nap. I will tell you, Travis, that uh, uh, last week I did five different morning shows, uh, TV morning shows around the country uh, live, and we had the Centra on there. And the first reaction from all of the anchors at the TV station was, you can get all of that as standard under um, uh, $20,000, because you have four vehicles under $20,000, but the Centra that comes with a lot of that standard equipment is, uh, is like $19,090 starting price chock full of technology benefits. We are going like gangbusters on Centra campaign starting now. So um, you may have seen online, if you haven't yet, if any of you are Captain Marvel fans, uh, we've got Brie Larson in our latest Centra ad uh, that we just put out in social media um, on Friday. Uh, And so it's out there. A lot of people are enjoying that uh, who are fans of hers. Uh, And it goes through a lot of these uh, Safety Shield 360 technologies in the ad. And you can see it on TV starting next week. All right. Well, it's it's a great piece of machinery, and I and I uh, honor you for putting those as standard equipment in cars because it's not that someone has to option up to get safety with Nissan. It actually comes, and then you the stuff you option up is all of the extras that you may or may not need. So I think that's great. Good advice, uh, Travis. Thank you for joining us, talking about the fact that when you get to daylight savings time, springing forward means a high rate of accidents. You want to be careful that you don't have one. If you want to test drive some of those Nissan vehicles, you can, of course, head over to the Nissan website Um, most of them already in dealers now the new vehicles are starting to trickle in and you'll find they're not only safe but also a comfortable ride more safety stuff coming up when we talk big trucks you're listening to our auto expert all right catching up with previous episodes of the show you can do that at our auto expert and our expert.com to hear all the past shows and see our automotive videos read inside the car stories and your next ride you just go to ourautoexpert.com uh jeff so would you buy yourself a gmc uh, sierra at4 after driving through the tundra of north america absolutely i would um the the truck uh performed fabulously you know under under the most challenging conditions we can we can find um, you know, it, it stayed on the road. It, uh, it, it, uh, it fired right up every morning. Um, you know, every one of those diesels comes with a, uh, a block heater. So you just plug it in. And, and it's the, done. What well, yeah. didn't, I remember as a kid seeing trucks parked on the side of the road with the truck drivers lighting fires underneath their fuel tanks to stop the diesel freezing. Is, is freezing diesel an issue at those temperatures? No, they winterize the diesel um, up there. They, they put something in it that keeps it from gelling up. Um, and the, the um, waxes that are ordinarily dissolved in the, in the fuel from, uh, from coagulating. Um, what we did notice um, is uh, the 3-liter the diesel, Duramax diesel, gets great mileage, right? It's rated at 26 highway. Um, in practice, we were seeing up to 30 as we were in the early stages of the journey when things were still comparatively warm. When it gets really cold, 
I mean, really cold. Um, Minus 40. 20 to 40 below zero. Um, What happens is it's so cold, the air is super dense. And so every car, um, you know, that had been getting 20 miles to the gallon was now getting 10. Uh, We were getting 18, 19, 20 miles to the gallon up there in the Arctic. Um, So so, uh, the fuel economy does go down because the air is so dense, it has to put in more fuel to compensate. Um, but, uh, we were still one of the best mileage vehicles, uh, up there. And so I think, uh, I think that this, uh, this engine and this design, um, especially can't say enough about that automatic all wheel drive. Right. Did you, uh, where did you come in the, in the final ratings? We were fifth. Oh, um, that's because you were 12th it, when I first, when well, we, we were 12th overall, fifth in our okay. class. Okay. Um, there's, there's a bunch of different classes and, uh, you know, we did great. Um, uh, my, my co-drivers, one of my, one of my two, uh, partners in this was uh, a first time rally driver. So, we were oh, so, so does every vehicle have three people in it? No, some have two. In fact, I'd say most have two. So uh, you had, you had a weight disadvantage then. <laughs> Well, that was just me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it's uh, it's it was nice to have three people because the they are long, long days. Uh, you're in order to do five thousand miles in ten days, and there's one or two days where you have you know like a three hundred mile day. That means there has to be a few days when you have a seven hundred mile day. Yeah, and uh, and those were those were challenging. We also uh, faced roads that were closed because um, a blizzard can come up just wipe a road very out. Qu- quickly and i have to give the canadians huge props for keeping the roads clean um everywhere we went there were there were people uh plowing the roads all the time and uh, we did get stuck in a in a little village called fort mcpherson um which is uh 115 miles from Inuvik and uh, 115 miles from eagle plains uh up there above the arctic circle and uh, we got there the road to eagle plains was closed for the night and uh so we were looking at you know putting five people in a motel room they have one little motel there and but we but the grocery store was open so we went bought groceries had a big potluck had a great party and then we were just all prepared to uh just bed down in the hallway did you bring sleeping bags with you absolutely yeah so uh what happens when you drive with these people is do you rotate so so one in the front one in the passenger and then one slumped in, across the back in the back and the person in the back can sleep or you know play games just just you know kick back and relax um we actually in in the uh, in the sierra we had the ability to make espresso um, I insisted. Of on course, that. you did. So we had a little uh, carafe that would boil the water, plugged into the. Uh, it had it had 120 volt AC in the dash, and uh, and also the 12 volt cigarette lighter outlets. And uh, we had a we had a little carafe that would boil the water, and then one of those AeroPress things, and uh, three pounds of uh, Pete's Major Dickinson's blend, and uh, so we were we were rocking the espressos all the way up to the Arctic and back. Yeah. So not only were teeth chattering from the cold, they were chattering from the caffeine that you were intaking of course everyone else was anyway jeff jeff fires on caffeine that's always a great time when we go to these short leads where we test drive vehicles i always <laughs> say to jeff do you want to stop at a starbucks he goes oh yes do i want to stop at a starbucks or do you want a coffee oh yes i want to stop at this coffee shop uh, oh, that's yeah. always a good thing we probably uh, i'm a massive caffeine consumer i probably i drink something like eight espresso shots a day and you're probably about the same yeah. as me 
Uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, about Nissan's uh, safety equipment, uh, yeah, 360 safety shield, the, the safety shield, which is a great package and wonderful that you can get it on the Sentra um, as standard equipment. Um, some of the safety gear in the uh, in the Sierra mm-hmm. uh, is equally advanced, and uh, we really particularly enjoyed the camera based rearview mirror. It uh, uses a camera facing rearward on right. the uh, top of the cab, and then it, it, your rearview mirror becomes just a, a display screen. And uh, one of the nice things is everybody in the car can see it equally well, uh, right, as right. opposed to just the driver. Right. Um, the resolution on it was fantastic. Uh, it was a really nice feature that I really came to enjoy. Uh, when I got back into my own car, when I got back here, I was like, oh, man, I just have an ordinary mirror here. And, <laughs> And, and they also have a head-up display that is fantastic in that truck. Can you uh, can you change the info on it? Because I always like to be able to yeah, do that. On Some, the head-up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've got a whole range of stuff you can put in there, including the inclination of the truck. So it can show you how much pitch and uh, and roll angle you've got. And it's fabulous when you're off-road. Does it have an outside temperature monitor? Yes, it does. Uh, did it go down to the temperature? It does. It didn't it does. get stuck at, like, you know, minus 10. And like, I'm done with this. Uh, a lot of them, you know, it's interesting. A lot of in, we learned this. A lot of in-car thermometers only go down to minus 40. And oh, the boo. special <laughs> thing about minus 40 is that it's the same in Fahrenheit as it is in right, Celsius. Right. So uh, that makes a convenient stopping place. So we may have actually been colder than that. But uh, – I've, and I, I haven't asked the GMC engineers if uh, if if their their uh, temperature gauge would have read lower than minus forty. But trust me, at that at that level, it's it's not that it feels colder. It's just that um, you get colder faster when you get. I want to do tests. I want to go up to those sort of temperatures, not to stay, but just to do a couple of tests because I want to see you know. Uh, what happens when you spit outside? Does it freeze before it hits the snow? Or? Oh yeah, we did the whole thing with the cup of warm water, and you throw it in the air, and it tinkles down as ice, and really? all that stuff. Yeah, um, it uh, it is uh, it is very different. Uh, um, one of the things that I noticed is that I start losing the ability to speak after about thirty seconds of being outside in in uh, really super low temperatures. You're, you're Jordan, can you turn the temperature up in here? I just don't want your to lips. To uh, your out. lips stop working, and so you find yourself starting to speak really? like this because you can't can't move your lips. You sound like you're drunk or something. Like I know, I know, right? And uh, but I noticed that, like all of a sudden, and you start shivering, and it's you. You want to get back inside as fast as you can. Do they? Do people have pets up there? Oh yeah, there were dogs all over the place, and the dogs love. I mean, big furry dogs, right? right. You know. Huskies and stuff, and and the dogs seem to love it out there. My German Shepherd would probably love it. Um, I don't imagine much people use the beds of their trucks. They probably have uh, canopies on them. Yeah, you pretty much have to have. Uh, we had a hard tonneau that was a GMC accessory right. on ours, and that was great. It kept everything dry. It kept most of the snow out. Um, otherwise, the bed would have just been full of snow after the first you know overnight when you come out and find that six inches of snow fell overnight. How long? Uh, how often? And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Jeff Zerschmied about him doing the Alcan Rally. How how often does the Alcan Rally happen? It goes every four years. The next one will be in uh, 2024. There's a summer Alcan that runs two years. The uh, opposite two years, like the Olympics, two years, the like summer the, and winter Olympics. Exactly, summer, summer and, winter, and winter, Alcan. winter Alcans. The next one, the summer one in 2022, goes to Yellowknife. Um, the uh, next winter one is going to be in 2024. It is the adventure of a lifetime. You can find it at Alcan 5000. That's 5000.com. And uh, the guy who puts it on, Jerry Hines, he's brilliant, uh, does a great job, has everything nailed down and prepped. Um, there's support vehicles along the way, sweep that, that uh, will pull you out of a snowbank, and everyone, 
without exception, ended up in the snowbank at least once. And uh, so uh, they do a great job. Alcan5000.com. Look it up. Make your plans now to go. I guarantee you, you will never experience anything like it for the rest of your life. Where is your article going to appear on this? My articles will uh, start in the portlandtribune.com. Look for wheels down the right-hand side. Select that. You'll see my articles there. We'll also be in Truck Trend, uh, automotivemap.com, and a bunch of other places. All right, Jeff me telling us about the Alcan Rally, which he just completed, and he brought all his fingers home. Coming up, more Our Auto Expert right here. You're listening to the Our Auto Expert Podcast. All right. If you're uh, interested in getting to know us on social media, you can do that by Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can start a conversation with us about your car. You can ask car questions. Just direct messages at our auto expert. O-U-R-A-U-T-O-E-X-P-E-R-T. And uh, you will get answers. And hopefully it'll be the ones you're looking for. Uh, in the studio with Jeff Zershmi today, who's in for Truck Girl Jen. And uh, we have Anton Woolman on the phone. He is our independent uh, investor and analyst. Anton's uh, material appears at Seeking Alpha and in the street. And he is a very intelligent man, knowing much about the world car scene. So, Anton, let's start out this, uh, this segment of the show talking about the impact of the coronavirus on the auto industry. Let's start with the parts. Yes. So, and the first wave that hit the automotive industry was really on the supply side, namely the Chinese supply chain. So even if the car is made somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the Americas or elsewhere in Asia, there were certainly some parts that came from some supplier in China. And that's where we saw the early interruptions. Now the attention is moving to the demand side and other changes in relative preferences among consumers. So we have, for example, the uh, impact of never general economic downturn that would result from this as people hunker up and uh, just plainly spend less money for a short period of time while we figure out what is going on and how long this, this thing lasts. Now, this will probably take months as opposed to years. And uh, the question is, what comes out at the end of that cycle in terms of a more permanent human behavior? And that's where the interesting speculation really starts. Will what is now happening in the broader world here impact what we behave, how we behave and how we, how we live and how we transport ourselves? And uh, what will the impact on the automakers? And certainly have a couple of theories on that. Uh, let's, you know, we can look at this by zooming out. Uh, one of the things that it's done positively is allow automakers to come up with contingency plans which they may not have had before. There was a very little likelihood of the supply chain being interrupted from China. But now strategic planning for what happens if this hits perhaps German manufacturers, and Germany had a massive jump in coronavirus cases this week. Uh, what happens if this ha- uh, hits uh, Japanese manufacturers? what happens to them it's at least allowing automakers to plan ahead and look for the changing strategy of part production yeah no there are no easy answers here because even though this particular virus came from china and if we assume that all other future viruses were to come from china that it would be really easy it would stop being dependent on parts coming from china 
The problem is to then move your supply chain elsewhere. What if the next uh, uh, virus comes from Brazil or from uh, Italy or from uh, some other place? And then uh, you really haven't gained much if you move your supply chain and the next virus that is to hit you comes from somewhere else. So there are really no easy answers here, but you really, really have to look at how agile you are in terms of um, uh, dealing with whatever comes up, how you can be agile enough to move your supply chain around for a multitude of reasons, be it uh, viruses, or viruses or some other uh, cause that... Uh, that impacts your ability to produce the cars. As the market response and the drop in uh, share prices affected anything uh, auto industry-wise, or is it just in a group with everybody else? Well, it's largely in the group of everyone else, but people are, do get the concern about the short-term spending of people. We really have to look at what it really means longer term for what if people were to change their behaviors, what would it mean for the automotive industry? And I could make the case that over the long run, and I'm not talking two or three months, but, you know, maybe one or two or three years from now, that if uh, companies decide to disperse their workforce a little bit more away from the large and expensive office towers and the big, big metropolitan areas, be it Chicago or Los Angeles or New York, into the more rural areas, or even a small portion of their workforce, over 10%, so as to reduce their concentrated risk. Those people, if they move to the more rural areas of, of the Americas, then uh, they are more likely to buy own their own car as opposed to relying on public transport, such as buses and trains and uh, even uh, taxis such as Uber and Lyft. And if that were to happen, then that might actually be a slight positive for the automakers. They would be selling more regular automobiles to people. All right. Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, being afraid of buses and trains and taxis. We're also going to look at GM's new electric car strategy rollout. And don't forget, if you're going to get into an Uber, make sure you have some antiseptic wipes with you. Wipe down the door handles, the window switches, inside and out, and sit behind the driver. Those are the safest ways to get transportation with Uber or Lyft. You're listening to Our Auto Expert. Are you thinking about changing your car? Read some of the most informative car reporting and see videos that are made about the newest tech, the latest cars, and you can even download the Nation's Car Radio podcast right at OurAutoExpert.com. On the phone with us, Anton Warman. He's an independent analyst and investor. We're talking about the state of the car industry. Uh, let's talk about how people are being afraid of using buses and trains, even taxes, and you can improve the automotive demand over time for driving their own car so we've given advice to people about where to sit in a car and to wipe everything down but for those of us that have press cars Anton I'm always also saying you know make sure that you wipe the key fob down when you uh, borrow a car even if you're using one of the uh, Turo services or one of the uh, the personal rent-a-car services where you rent a vehicle it's always a good idea to do that to protect yourself from the virus we know it can exist outside of the body from between uh, two hours to nine days depending on uh, the circumstances of that. Do you think that the strategy of people not taking Ubers and taxis is going to be damaging? Because it's not only about the safety of the individual riding in the back, but it's also about the safety of the driver as well. Yeah, no, I think that there are, you know, you have to look at it from a broader perspective in terms of the different modes of transportation that we have for local 
in regional transport. On the one hand, you have the very collective uh, transport systems such as trains and buses, trains including subways. Uh, there you have tons of people standing or sitting right next to each other, and they're complete strangers. Then you move up one step on the ladder, as it were, from the privacy side, and you get to uh, various taxi services such as Uber and Lyft and regular cabs. And then you're in the car. Sometimes it's only between you and the driver, maybe one other person. And then the next step after that is to just to drive your own regular car. And uh, most people, if they're looking at uh, the ladder of uh, protection and privacy, uh, they may start gravitating yet again to driving their own car. So I think that is going to be the most interesting thing to watch if uh, what we're seeing now could end up arresting the shift that we have been seeing in recent years to uh, various forms of collective transport and these new taxi services. And that's where I think that if there is any permanent change that were to come from this, we might be looking in this area to see if we see anything that we might uh, discern there. And I uh, I suspect we will see something. And uh, that is just uh, based on where people live today. But if people are then encouraged to start moving elsewhere, uh, to some degree, even a small percentage of people, and that may in turn exacerbate that trend. Uh, in the governor of New York has obviously declared a state of emergency there, uh, talking about uh, the virus, now a huge jump in the cases. Uh, does it mean that uh, they will bring in stringent rules for New York taxes um, and those type of things? I know that uh, some of the fast trains got shut down between D.C. and New York just because people weren't using them. Yeah, the problem with all of these things is that, you know, if they if they prohibit people from doing certain things, going to class, going to conference, riding in a cab, well, the people don't cease to exist. They're going to do something else. I just came out of a couple of coffee shops where I was here, and uh, they're jam-packed. Well, in part, it's because people, uh, you know, they're out, they would have done something else. They would have been at a conference otherwise. They would have gone to work. They would have done something else. And now they're not doing that, but that doesn't reduce the fact that people continue to exist and continue to meet in different places. So I think that has had really no effect on on the overall societal impact to start keeping people from engaging in all sorts of activities because just because you stop them from doing one thing, then they'll just do another thing, and the net result is essentially zero. So uh, I think that we have to be wary here about just pushing the problem literally a few blocks down the street as opposed to uh, uh, trying to figure out how to deal with the problem in some other way. Uh, let's turn to electric vehicles. And General Motors have showed their hand, even though they cancelled some events this uh, in the next few weeks, uh, some launch events, uh, Cadillac cancelled, Buick cancelled. Uh, they're still going to roll out their new strategy for electric vehicles. It includes the GMC Hummer. Uh, they've also released information about what kind of vehicle that will be. Yeah, so one of the last things GM did here before they started uh, paring down on some events was to... Uh, Hold a big meeting for our analysts at the, their uh, technical center in, in Warren, Michigan, in which they uh, gave some more detail about their electric vehicle strategy and with some of the new vehicles that will be coming out over the next uh, three or four or five years. And uh, one of the little nuggets that apparently came out of there was that um, the uh, GMC Hummer, both the pickup truck and the SUV version, as well as other truck uh, variants of that that will be branded Chevrolet, 
uh, will actually be uh, not body-on-frame as they are today, but rather these are going to be uh, unibody vehicles. So uh, I thought that was kind of interesting is that we'll see uh, vehicles that we will normally associate with a body-on-frame um, construction to instead be what, uh, say, the Honda Ridgeline has done in a pickup truck, which is to say it is a uh, unibody. And even though they will uh, look very macho and very square and very pickup truck-like, uh, there'll be uh, the basic nature of the construction and will be more like a regular car. Uh, it doesn't seem to have uh, helped sales much. There is a few of those vehicles out there, but the Ridgeline does okay, but it's not a massive seller. Is this going to be a small quantity vehicle or is it going to go up against other pickup trucks? Well, I think in the case of the GMC Hummer, it'll be a small quantity vehicle for a completely unrelated reason. And that is that it's going to be a very expensive vehicle. This is going to have a battery that will be up to almost right about 200 kilowatt hours in its largest configuration. That's essentially twice the size of any battery of any other vehicle in the market. Think the largest Tesla Model S and Model X that both have a, about 100 kilowatt hour uh, battery in them and the Ford uh, Mustang Mach-E which will have about a 100 kilowatt hour battery in it right. in its largest configuration this fall as well. And this will be double that. That's pretty enormous. All right, let's talk a little bit about European electric car data. Overall, strong results for February and March uh, with lots of new models, but Tesla still very weak in Europe. Yeah, so we are seeing in Europe because of the European CO2 mandate in terms of the fleet mix that there's an enormous uptick in pure electric cars sold here in uh, the early part of 2020. Uh, so we're seeing nice increases in a whole bunch of geographies uh, primarily for that quota reason. Uh, but when we're looking thus far at Tesla sales, where we have numbers, full month January, full month February, and from three countries, we also have uh, daily results here in March. The numbers are lagging uh, materially in terms of uh, market share. So you're seeing all of these European electric cars, in some cases that are not sold at all in the United States, whether as a brand or as a nameplate, uh, that are taking a huge amount of market share. The one that we will see here in the U.S. is the Audi e-tron, which really dominates the sales charts in many countries in Europe. Uh, but then we have Peugeot and the Renault Zoe and a variety of other vehicles from Seat and Skoda uh, that have come in and taken a very fat chunk of the electric car market in Europe here in just the last, uh, uh, you know, 70 or so days. Uh, maybe you could explain something to me because I'm kind of mystified by this. And although I, I have a fairly high IQ, I don't understand how Elon Musk can call the virus dumb. Does that mean that Tesla's business is being impacted or is he just lashing out? How can a virus be dumb? Well, it's hard to know really why he said this or exactly what he means. One can interpret this in a multitude of directions. Uh, I, I, you know, you one can certainly make the charitable interpretation that he thinks that some of the reactions in terms of the uh, virus, uh, in terms of how people react, in terms of their change in social behavior, are a bit dumb. I'm not thinking he's, he's saying that the virus itself is, is fake or anything like that. Uh, one can certainly suspect uh, at this point without any clear evidence that he might have seen the sales numbers <laughs> from his own company. Uh, Tesla in the last uh, week or two and saw them plummet and he thinks that uh, as a result of uh, the virus uh, that this is basically a huge overreaction and that he wishes it had not happened and 
if that is the case, then Tesla is looking to have a very weak quarter here, which really should be no surprise to most people that have seen what's going on with Tesla, independent of the virus situation. Obviously, the virus situation has impacted their sales situation in China, as it has for everybody else. But in Europe and North America, at least until the last few days, uh, there has been you know, really no such signs. So uh, at, in the case of the United States and, and Europe, it would have been more a case of a loss of market share, completely independent of the virus situation. And uh, if that's the case, then that's a far bigger problem for Tesla, I think, because that's not, not a problem that will get fixed uh, once the uh, virus situation uh, is going to eventually affect uh, BMW in the news with a Concept i4 electric sedan, which, by the way, looks like it goes smack up against Tesla. But also the iX3, it'll not be sold in the United States. So what's going over in, in the Munich headquarters of BMW? What are they thinking? Yeah, so hidden in the i4 press release was the additional nugget that had previously not come out that uh, BMW is not planning on now selling the iX3 in the United States. Uh, that vehicle is going to be made initially in China and will clearly be sold both in China and Europe, but, however, not in the United States, at least not for the first couple of years or so. So uh, we're going to have to wait until the uh, next major electric vehicle from BMW hits, which is going to uh, – the concept is called the iNext, and it's effectively the X5 all-electric vehicle with an additional suite for much improved electronics that will take them to the – uh, next level of autonomous driving. And that car doesn't start manufacturing until the middle of 2021 and will be made in Germany. So that's where that vehicle will come from. And what it will eventually be called is not yet clear, but iNext is the word. And uh, the iX3 is simply not coming to the U.S., not for the foreseeable future. Uh, some pictures of the new uh, Genesis G80 uh, got leaked, I guess, or got shown in Australia. I'm not sure if they were shown around the world. Uh, this looks like a stunning uh, design or design concept for the G80. Uh, however, is this going to be uh, an electric vehicle, or do we know anything more about it? Because it looks absolutely stunning, and uh, they seem to be sort of thinking in that department, but are they actually moving in that way? Well, Hyundai and its uh, sister brand, Kia, have made it very clear that they, just like essentially all the other automakers, will be launching a very wide bevy of ele all-electric vehicles over the next three or four years. And clearly, Genesis will have multiple ones of them. The challenge that all automakers are facing is how in the world could you merge these platforms from uh, including both the all-electric ones as well as the various classes of hybrids that will constitute the rest of the portfolio. And most automakers, not all, but most of them, have concluded that you really have to make two completely separate platforms, uh, whether it's Volkswagen or whether it's GM. That's clearly the direction they have taken, whereas the only main company on the other side of the equation is the actual BMW, which is looking at fusing all of their platforms into a common platform, so I've seen nothing from Kia or Hyundai, which includes Genesis, that would suggest that they are going to have uh -huh. a unified platform. And as long as we haven't heard anything specific about a unified platform, we kind of have to assume that they're going to be completely separate because that's what the majority of the automakers have right. included in the, the last year or two. 
Anton Wallman, independent analyst and investor. You can read his stuff at Seeking Alpha or The Street. I want to thank Jeff Zershmead for being in the studio for today's show and telling us all about his freezing parts and the freezing <laughs> parts of North America as he did the outcome. Randy, congratulations in your finishes 12th and 5th in your class. Actually, we didn't finish 5th in the class. We dropped down after that. We ran as high as 5th. Oh, Careful. I don't want to claim any glory that is not due. You are due so, all the glories, Jeff Zershmead. If you want more go to our auto expert our auto expert you've been listening to our auto expert with nick mile find all the show episodes at our please follow us on all social media twitter facebook and instagram at our auto expert and message us for a quick and witty response 